Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome to episode 46 of the Level Up Latina podcast. Today, we are excited to talk about careers, professions, whether it be transitioning in your profession, building your resume, interview skills that actually work and land the job. We felt like it was time to talk about that, especially since right now, a lot of people are working from home, kind of reinventing themselves, thinking about their next career move, thinking about the job they're in. And this is a really good time to build on your skills. It's a really good time to start looking at your resume and what it's like now or your LinkedIn page. So we wanted to spend that time talking about careers and business, and we hope that you will get a lot out of this episode. How are we doing today, ladies? Fantastic. Having a little snack. Stuffing my face with mandarinas. Snacking episode because, you know, in quarantine, we eat, we drink, we work, we do it all. So we've got like some healthy snackums, some not so healthy snackums. I had kettle corn over here, but you know what? It is what it is. Oh, yummy. I've harvested so snacks. I know. You're the one with the healthy She's like, my name is Cecilia, and I eat very healthful food. Anyway. <laughs> We're losing our minds. Mm, but to relook yes. back in. Some of us are working from home, but some of us may have been laid off. Some of us might be thinking, what's my next step? And for, for some time, maybe you had in your mind that you wanted a transition, and you're like, crap, what time is it now? How am I going to transition? There's no jobs out there. Well, it's actually the perfect time, like Irene said, to prepare Come up with an action plan to think of like, well, I've, I've been wanting to transition. I have been laid off. What do I need to do now? And so we're going to kind of help you and guide you in that sense, have you start thinking of that action plan towards and guide you to that next possible job. And I think one of the first things to think about is if you are in that group that has been unfortunately laid off, we know we could not have planned for this. We do not know what's going to be essential or unessential, but what this has taught us, this downturn has taught us the importance of savings, the importance of a safety net, because the number one thing, if you want to change careers is maybe you'll find a new job while you're in a current job, or maybe you won't, maybe you'll have to take a hiatus and not work for a little while. That's a big risk and a gamble, but it's easier to do it that way once you've had savings. So if anything out of today's episode, the biggest tip is while you are transitioning in your careers, because we're all going to have plenty of careers, we don't just have have one this day and age. It's very good to have a safety net and to have a savings. So women out there listening, men and women, this is a great time to start thinking about how you've prepared yourself for all the different steps in your profession. And at home, that takes preparing your finances and having everything in working order because times like today will always hit. I say typically about every 10 years we have a recession and we're about to have one. And hopefully those that are out there ready to monopolize on this recession, take this opportunity to, like Vettel said, prepare for your next career move. And hopefully you have the savings to do such a thing. So that's mm -hmm. our first tip of the day that's really valuable. But let's just take it step by step. I wanted to talk to you first, Ceci, because I know lately a lot of our clients have been sending us their resumes and yeah. showing us their portfolio, their LinkedIn's and what they're all about. And maybe you have some tips for us or some tricks or some stuff that you've seen that really jumps off the page and really helps folks in that first initial introduction to any role where you're trying to get the job. Yeah, like you said, I think uh, the ladies that we've been talking to recently are in that transition where they, they want to move on, either move up or move horizontally to the next uh, opportunity for them. So they want to make sure that their resume is looking pristine and it's catchy. When it comes to the way it's 
set up, the way you format it these days, once you, you've been out of school for a while, I think it's important to highlight your experience first. Like start off with your experience, the jobs that you've had, and maybe eliminate the ones that have been longer than 10 years. Obviously, don't put something that from high school, mm-hmm. show something that's more recent. And with your education and your skills, I think Irene, you pointed out that you should definitely include your LinkedIn account. So that's another way to start and create one because people also recruit you from LinkedIn and as well as other sites. But LinkedIn is the big one to definitely fill out and have your profile. It's kind of like a resume, right? It lists all your experience, your schooling, your degrees. You're able to basically plug in your resume there, show the people that are recruiting and looking at your LinkedIn account, like what you, what you stand for. It also has the opportunity for you to upload your picture so that you can see who you are. And I think it's important to have that up to date. I think it's important to update your resume at least once a year to make sure that you're up to date with your jobs and perhaps a new project that you worked on. I think so too. When you mentioned LinkedIn, it's so great because that's a great place to also get endorsed. So other people talk about mm-hmm. your skills and they can that's say, true. oh, this person's a really great event planner. They're a great public speaker. They're great at grant writing, whatever it is in your field that would be relevant. They're great at sales. Also networks are so great there. You can, like you can get recruited, like Ceci says, you know, wonderful recruitment happens at that stage and headhunters will find you on LinkedIn, but also just networks to support you. You can be in groups with women that are lawyers or in groups with young professionals just starting now just got their degree. I think those are the cooler aspects of LinkedIn where there's a built in community built in credibility. It's a resume that comes to life. So I like to see on resumes that was your point to see that you actually link to a LinkedIn, it almost brings your resume to life, people can get to know you a little further because nowadays just that one piece of paper, you get so many pieces of paper. So what's going to make you different? I like to tell people, even if they ask for a cover letter or not, write a cover letter, and write one that is bright and bubbly. And if you're not the best writer, show it to people that you think can really jazz it up and gas you up. Talk to a mentor, an old boss, like, what am I not seeing? What am I not saying about myself? Because I think right now cover letters are the one thing I look at because I feel like the resumes Mm -hmm. all sort of look the same and someone can Google it and it can almost be watered down. And that's not your fault because it's just kind of the standard information where you Mm -hmm. were, how long you were there, what you you accomplished. Usually you want to put some accomplishments on those different sections, but definitely jazz it up with a cover letter that shares a, a good story that shows confidence. I love those cover letters that show confidence and I love cover letters when clearly the person has researched you, they looked at your website or your business or your industry, and not the ones that are bland that you can just tell that they changed, you know, who it was sent to. Some people forget to even change the title of the job they're going for or change the city. And it's like, this is a boneheaded mistake. So be thorough with your resume and your cover letter that it doesn't have common mistakes identify with the company if you can spend that extra time. I recently hired someone that I just thought her resume was just so well thought out. She even added to it like links to her professional portfolio because she likes to do photography on the side. This has nothing to do, you guys, with her current position and what I hired her for, but I was intrigued. And I went to that and I like loved this landing page that was all about her photography. Like I felt I got a glimpse into her and that's what LinkedIn is. And that's how you get set apart. And by the way, she's kicking butt as an administrative assistant and very good at that job. But those little extra nuggets, I loved. I thought they were so impressive because I imagine her as an employee 
that she put so much thought into her resume kind of popping and being different, she's going to be a great employee. So go the extra mile because the people hiring are thinking about all those little things because it's just like a college application. There's so many that come to you. We tell kids all the time, what's going to make you special and stand out? Mm-hmm. Treat your resumes, yeah. treat your, your interviews and your jobs. Like if you're trying to get into college, like you know the competition is out there and you've got to stand out and toot your own horn and do it in the most creative way possible. I have a question for you guys. In the case of resumes, when it comes to professionals that have been established in their careers and let's say older, not just incoming into the into their professional life and getting established, would you guys recommend that they actually um, would link their LinkedIn into their resume as well? Or would you suggest that they keep more like personal information that would kind of put, you know, their image, their age and their graduation dates, kind of put it onto the paper? Would it be something like that? Because some it could be that some companies hire, would prefer to hire young entry levels or young people for their positions and maybe overlook this other person. I mean, obviously, companies can't use ageism, right? But in this case, would you guys suggest that they would link that? Because that's an, uh, an added bonus to seeing who this person is. What do you guys think on that? For me, that's such an interesting question, Vidal. I think oftentimes age is not a factor. I feel if I'm hiring for something that definitely is entry level and I'm going to pay them entry level, then their experience is going to speak for itself. And likely the more experience you have, the older you are and you're overqualified. It's not even about their age anymore. They're just overqualified. And so they're trying to get a job with us that doesn't really match them. Like I'm not discriminated against you, but you need to make three times as much and you need to be in leadership with this much information going on in your LinkedIn. So I'm glad that they're sharing because right off the bat, I'm not going to waste their time and it's not a fit entry level, they happen to be, you know, three to six years removed from college. And they're looking for that pay. They're looking for that experience. And then it's it's a match. Let's say I'm transitioning mm. careers, not just a uh, job. So like, let's say mm. um, hating your job is not enough to do a whole transition of industries and careers. Hating your mm-hmm. job just means you need to transition to another workplace mm-hmm. and find an, another fit. But this is just in the case of job transition, for example, like career wise, um, going from being um a director somewhere, but I'm looking and I'm interested in working in nonprofit, you know, for example, if you're just older and you just need that transition or change your career path in general, would you recommend it? Because let's say they are willing to take that entry level position. Yeah. I, you know, if they were willing to take it, that's interesting because I think that we decide for people. You're right. You're bringing up a conundrum. Like, is it better that we hide that facet of I graduated from college in the 90s. You're right. What if I immediately look at those dates and think this isn't for them? But if I don't know those dates and they come in and I meet them and they wow me and they're changing careers and they have all this expertise, but they were a teacher for the first 10 years and now they can be a fundraiser or whatever, like a big difference. That's an interesting conundrum. I personally want to know. I like to know. I love when people have a LinkedIn. Like I said, I'm trying to distinguish between all the resumes that sort of look the same and people kind of match up that I'm looking for things to feel like it's different. Like there's a, there's more to them. There's more that I can learn. So I don't waste anybody's time. So I do like to know, but you're right that I also may make decisions for them. I may disqualify certain people because I look at that and think, oh no, why would they want to do this? They've been a teacher 10 years. Mm -hmm. Not knowing that whole backstory, if they haven't really shared it or they have shared it, I'm already making conclusions based on their profile having 10 years worth of something completely different. So that's a tough one. I, I would say for that case, if you're finding that you're not getting through the door and you're sharing a lot and you're suspecting you personally, maybe it's not coming across that I'm that I'm changing careers, that I'm transitioning, that I'm actually qualified, that I'm actually willing to take a pay cut. And this is why. In that case, I would say that's why cover letters are so important. 
because I'm not going to know anything just looking at your LinkedIn or your resume about the backstory about them. Mm -hmm. You're actually more than qualified because for 10 years you were, I don't know, working in the hospital as a volunteer. And that's why the transition makes sense. But you professionally were actually working in an office with accountants. You know, when there's that big Mm -hmm. old bridge, you better give someone something to connect the bridge. Because if you don't give them anything, you're not going to get the interview. Again, the cover letter or even the LinkedIn talking about the things you've done aside. Maybe you've taken classes. Maybe you have been an apprentice. You need to share that somewhere because I don't think you'll get in the door. You're right, Vettel, which is showing many years of you being in a different field and you're trying to shift. You need to have something that shares that story. I think with that, I would say maybe the way you write your resume, I think Ceci mentioned experience first. Yeah. And in this case, maybe it'll be more important to actually list, not maybe, I think it'll be more according to actually list your experience by importance instead of chronological. Mm. That might help you in that sense. Yeah. Then instead like of that. just, hey, here's where I've been these last 10 years, even though it's not relevant to what you want to do, but like here mm-hmm. are the relevant skills and the things I've learned and put them in that order instead of chronologically saying, this is where I've worked these last 10, five and six and seven years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe that yeah. might, that might be the better thing to do. Shoe store, pet store, <laughs> veterinarian's office, <laughs> and then the most impactful ones right at the bottom. And it's like qualified because they work at a shoe store. No, no, yeah. no offense to anybody, but that, that's such a great tip, right? Put in order of relevance yeah. to what you're hiring mm-hmm. for. Well, let's yeah. take it one step further. So we've thought about resumes a little bit. We shared some of our insights about building your resume and about getting noticed. We talked about some conundrums, like if you're a bit older and switching, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much that you need to do when you're switching to tell the story, to get noticed, to be persistent, because we're not going to pretend like getting a job is easy. It can be challenging. But another one of the avenues to getting this job, landing the interview and how well you oh, can yeah. interview. And I know, Veto, you've been in the position of hiring folks and, you know, what is it about that interview that worked? And what is it about the interviews that don't work? You also, Ceci, have some examples. But if you guys can share some of your pro tips for interviewing, what would those be? For me, just it's actually have a story, have examples, have solid examples. So actually put some actual thought into your interview before you walk in. They're going to ask you. You have an idea of what they're going to ask you. You don't have the exact questions, but you have an idea. Have examples, have solid examples of where you have struggled, where you've overcome struggle, where you have your achievements and be able to really speak about them and lay out specific like step-by-step process of how you accomplished it. Because once you're there and you're sitting and you have to think of something, you're already nervous as it is. You're meeting this person for the first time. You really are excited about the job and the possibility of this opportunity so you don't want to have to be there and get stuck like a deer in headlights without having any solid examples of what you're capable of doing. You know you can do it. Now you need to be able to articulate that to the person you're interviewing with. So just make sure you really put time and thought into that. And don't wear perfume. That's another thing. <laughs> That's funny. I was going to say along the lines of what Vero said, yes, think of questions that they may ask you, like come up with five to 10 questions, like write them all out and practice them. Like I'm here, I go with me practicing, but yeah, practice them with a friend, a significant other, or even just to the camera, record yourself asking yourself these questions. It works better, obviously, if there's an actual person there asking you the questions or even over the phone, like here, I'm going to email you these questions, think them through, like, what are they going to ask me? They might ask you, where do you see like the typical question, right? Where do you see yourself in five years? Why did you apply? Why should I hire you? What are your strengths and weaknesses? And talk about your strengths and, and, and definitely talk about your weaknesses, but see if you can 
say, like, for example, for me, one of my weaknesses is um, that I take really long to perhaps like write something because like I read it and I rewrite it and I take long. So that's, that's a weakness because taking too long on a project, for example, but you can talk about like, oh, well, you've learned to perhaps balance that. And, and yeah, it's going to take more time to, to come up with this doc in, in, in law, for example, to come up with this brief. But now that you have that brief and you perfected it, it's gonna, it's gonna allow you to use it for future for a, a similar case that has similar facts. So speak to your strengths, but also mention your weaknesses and I guess downplay them. I don't know if that's the word, but definitely yeah, sense, you know, yeah. mention those things. Yeah, definitely me- mention those. And, and and again, this is these are like practice questions that you come up with and you practice so that you go in and you're confident. And it doesn't mean that they're going to ask you exactly these questions, but more something along those lines. You, it's almost like you've already rehearsed. And if you have a 10 that you've rehearsed, chances are anything they ask, you can sort of pluck from that rehearsal. And it's great. There's nothing wrong in doing that because you're going to come across as definitely more articulate, more capable, more confident. And a lot of times that's important because people interview and they're not themselves often. They don't necessarily have good interview skills and then they can be good employees. So if you're particularly in that bubble where you know you're pretty confident about the job and the skills and what they're hiring for, but you're a terrible interviewer and it's okay to know that about yourself, you kind of stumble on your words. You're not as articulate because you're nervous. You feel pressure maybe because you're young. Whatever you already know is your hang up then don't just go in and wing it knowing that about you. You're going to have to almost over-prepare. And like Ceci says, practice in front of the mirror, have 10 fictitious questions. All those things will actually ease you and up your self-confidence. And one thing I like to recommend is ask questions. It's always interesting. People just don't have questions. And again, it's another sign of they're just kind of running out of there. They are nervous and they, you have to at least have one question. And a lot of times it's the one thing you don't want to ask how much is, this position going to pay? Ask when that. do I start? When do I start? That's another easy one. When do I start? You know. When do we start? Mm-hmm. But don't ask that. To be honest, ask things that are memorable. Ask things like, "What kind of boss are you? How will I be successful reporting to you?" You know, ask about what's my typical day here. What is it going to look like in this role? What are your expectations? What is the person in the role that is there now, or if it's a new role, what do you expect to see? What is their typical day like? You know, ask something meatier than just when do I start? Are there benefits? Mm-hmm. Yes or no. Like make it open-ended where you're engaging the employer to remember you. As I said, you want to be remembered and the people that don't have questions kind of, you forget them. And the people that don't challenge you in an interview, there's no spark there. There's, if I know they're questioning me, okay, they're going to be pretty good employees because they're going to not just take yes for an answer or not have a question when they should. So go the extra mile and definitely you be comfortable in asking questions, especially in phone interviews and phone interviews. That's the first time they're screening you and you got to try to set yourself apart. They're so awkward, but I don't let anyone in the door unless I've already phone interviewed them because I already have an energy and a vibe and I feel something. So you got to shine in that phone interview. And a good way to shine is put it back on the employer and have really good questions for them during the phone interview. And obviously don't only ask questions because that's evasive. Yeah, don't kill it, it either with the question. <laughs> don't have, kill it have either because like you're nervous. Two to three solid questions that you can ask. What I was going to say in the in regards to the interview, also, Irene, you mentioned that some people are just terrible interviewers. And some of us are. And what I would recommend is 
Go to all the interviews, even if it's not the job you want, get the practice. Because let's say you have practiced with a friend, you've practiced in the mirror, you recorded yourself and you kind of feel you still have that, oh, but what am I, how am I going to perform in this interview in a sense? If being with a complete stranger, how am I going to feel? So I would say, put yourself in that position. You get a call back for a job that you applied for months ago and you already forgot about it. Still show up like, hey, you know what? Sure, I'm going to go. Maybe that's not the job you want anymore, but it helps prepare you. And when you start doing, you start losing this fear of meeting a new person, introducing yourself, right? And telling them the story of who you are and why they should hire you. So once you start getting that confidence, when you get the call from the job that you really, really want, you're going to walk in there and it's going to seem like you're walking in like as if you don't, not in the sense you don't care, but you're going to walk in so confident and so free where it's like, yeah, I'm here to simply meet you and introduce myself and tell you why I'm the person for the job without that nervousness and that fear. It's still, you're still, you know, it's the right job for you. So you might have a little bit of those butterflies, but it's going to be so much more effective now because you're going to, you're going to have that experience of like, it's just another interview, man. I'm good. So I would recommend doing that. What Vero's saying made me think of that song, uh, single, sexy, and free, making my own money. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that right because over here gyrating you can't see her if you're listening but for real her groove on that's do that in the interview sessie single section free <laughs> and i'll get hired hire sure. me <laughs> you to hire no, me that's too funny imagine it's me dancing like, in my no. tongue <laughs> like, like, i think she's having hey, a stroke i think, think she's having a stroke <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, are you okay? I know. We can talk about careers and advice forever, actually, in in terms of the professional world. So I'm going to actually go there now and have you guys tell me either, for those that are listening right now, what's the best career advice you can give them? Or what's the best career advice someone gave you? We can go either way. And, And we can also attach it to what people are doing right now. Maybe the career advice has to do with this quarantine and what you can do with this time, or maybe with just careers in general. So I can start to give you some time to think about an answer. But um, when I was first starting out in the role of CEO, and I don't know if I've shared this before, but I remember I was in a fellowship and I remember feeling like, my gosh, this job has so many moving parts. Since I work for a nonprofit that isn't a large nonprofit, I'm wearing a lot of hats in terms of I'm the human resources person. I am the lead fundraiser. I am the lead operations person. I'm doing so much every day that is different facets of different jobs. And I don't have multiple departments. I I have some consultants, but I don't have a whole department that can do one part of the job. It had to fall to me, which is great, but that can be very overwhelming. And I remember when I was first starting out just over five years ago, I was sitting with a group of EDs and one ED, he would always make everything look so simple, but keep in mind, he had been doing it for years. So don't get it twisted. Like people who make it look simple have years of experience and of messing up and of trial and error and of having things that they would never want people to know about that they did in terms of mistakes. And I remember I asked him, you know, what's the secret? Like, what's the secret to be a successful CEO and ED in relation to like the nonprofit world? And he said, you know, you just need to know where you're going, have vision and cast that vision, cast that vision for your team. And you need to be able to make the money, fundraise. For my industry, it was that simple. Fundraising, you can't get around it as the ED and knowing where you're going. And I remember hanging on to that advice so much because I thought, great, it simplifies it. He didn't just rattle off, 20 things I need to know how to do, even though in any one given day, I could be handling 20 different types 
of skills in this job, which could be right now I'm the accountant and I'm wearing that hat. And right now I am the technician and I'm wearing this hat and I'm troubleshooting. I'm not running every single thing in my office. Thank God I have geniuses that work for me and they're really good at their jobs. But at that point in my career, I did remember feeling there was way too much going on and I needed to simplify and focus on two things. And I thought, great. The advice is know where I'm going and why, know that vision. And notice he said, cast vision. Cast vision means that people that work for me knew where we were going and why. They weren't all over the place. It wasn't unorganized. I was nervous so they're nervous. I'm not poised. They're not poised. I knew where we were going and why. And I was ensuring that they always knew where we were going and why. And that can be setting goals. That can be in meetings. That could be in shared values or vision statements. But know that and do that. And the other thing in my work was fundraising. So I can't hide from that. I can't, I don't want to fundraise. I don't want to ask people for money. That was my other job A and job B. So they simplified it. And that's the best career advice I was given. So I'd like to give it to anybody out there and not, you don't have to be the boss. You don't have to be 10 years in, be wherever you are, but know that you can simplify what's the best thing that I can do. What are the two to three things that I can do that I'll do my job well and everything will fall into place. And I don't have to feel so overwhelmed by the bigness of certain jobs that have a lot going on. So in essence, prioritize, find your top two to three things and focus on doing those things well. So that's the best career advice I was given in the beginning and that I'd like to share. What do you guys think? Um, you know, they always say, ask questions, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I was never afraid to ask questions. And I was definitely never afraid to approach the partners to ask questions. But one of my colleagues, another associate told me that whenever I approached the partners to go in prepared, knowing your case, what happened to this person? How was he injured? What were the injuries? And also um, what the issue was before anything like be prepared like know the case well because that they were going to ask you and they wanted to know exactly and they wanted to know make, make sure that you knew your case before you brought up the issue to the partner so that was a great advice that was given to me and i think it, it could also apply generally across the board you don't want to just go in and ask a question you want to make sure that you try to figure out for yourself first if it requires research on well in my case it was the case but if it requires just trying to figure it on your own first and taking those steps before you actually approach your manager or the partner or the firm or your the CEO in your case, Irene. I love that advice. Try to figure out the answer first before just asking the question or assuming that you know the answer. Try to be resourceful, figure it out, then ask for guidance. And when you say, oh, there was this problem and I looked into these three solutions and I did a little research, I was trying to figure out if that's the right answer. Can you now help me verify if that's right or if, am I off base? And how impressive when you're like, oh my gosh, this person's so great. And I can be like, you're totally on base. Thanks for saving me the 30 yeah. minutes that you troubleshooted. And you're just such an impressive mm -hmm. employee because you yeah. do that. You practice and think about the questions beforehand, think about the solutions and answers, and then come to your boss with solutions and not just, I don't know, I didn't know what to do, or I assumed I knew what to do and I didn't actually ask and I didn't actually solve. So thank you for that. That's a really good one. I think along the lines of you guys, you guys, what both of you said are great, Ceci, that last thing where... It just reminded me of how we're like, oh, let's teach our children <laughs> to be better. It's like the same thing, you know, when you teach your your team or when you're teaching a fellow colleague something new. I think for me, I would want to give someone advice for the now. How about that? Because I think those two, the, the two advice you guys gave that were given to you guys, your best advice. I got some great advice coming up with the different companies I worked with. But two of the things I'll just mention were work smarter, not harder. 
in the sense of find solutions for things. Don't don't feel that you have to put in that 16-hour workday. What is going to make that workday shorter? What things can you implement? What things can you put in place to make sure that not everyone's out there working their hearts out and working like dogs and then beat up for the next day when they come back? So what things can you implement? What solutions can you find? Always always have be a solution thinker. I love being able to think on my feet and be quick on my feet. And with those kind of things, it's like, okay, great. We were able to do it like this. Tomorrow, maybe we should try this and get a head start on X, Y, and Z. And then don't complain. If you're starting off with a new company or a new job and they're giving you all these new responsibilities and you're working so hard, don't complain. I would say there's ways of showing the way that you're concerned. Maybe you're concerned like, hey, I noticed we did this. Why exactly do we do that? The way you present that information and, and the way you, in a sense, co- present your complaint will be taken in by your upper management or your management. It, it will be very, it, it actually will make an impact in, on the way they see you. So I would say if it's not, find a way instead of making it a complaint to be like, hey, I'm curious as to why we do this process. It seems that we could probably, is there any other way we can do it that might make it easier? And not in the sense because you're lazy, but it's because hey, it seems like it's a lot of trouble to be doing these things. But when you're learning new things, don't complain. There's going to be some jobs that just offer, there's so many duties and responsibilities at that level in in your position. Just try to learn as much as you can. I think we mentioned this in the podcast earlier, that it takes about a year to fully understand your role, whether it be entry level or not. It takes about a year to fully find your flow and understand your, your role in that position. So don't complain work smart, not harder. And I think my tip for the current people that right now are either finding a new job or want to change careers would be you have time to think. So really make a list of your strengths, your skills, your beliefs, and other qualities, like the things that you like to do. Put that all into, put it all on a piece of paper, either write it down, type it up, whatever it is you need to do. And really see where you can find yourself that it's like, okay, if I were to go from being a teacher to being uh, wanting to be a director, what strengths do I have? And then from there, create a plan. Once you know where you want to go and you have an idea of what your strengths and skills are, make a plan for acquiring the necessary skills now for that new position. So right now, if you're laid off, take on a new course. There's online learning you can do everywhere. Irene mentioned there's the Yale has free, not free, but they have courses online. You can find a course online anywhere. Some of them are free. Yeah. Actually, there there are some free seminars too. Some, uh, that's seminars, but classes to take Mm -hmm. that will help you. So make sure you have education you might need, connections. You know, think of people that you know that are in those positions now. Think of people that, you know, that and ask them like, hey, I know you work for this company. How is it? Find out how it is. Are they looking for anyone there? I am willing to do entry-level work. Here are my strengths and why I'm, I'm, I'll be good at even this entry-level position. But I just need that opportunity. Do you think that there's a shot with you maybe ha- handing your resume or your cover letter to that specific person to hand it to the right people? So don't be afraid to use your connections and really take this time to learn yourself and learn new things that are going to guide you in the direction you want to go. So that's pretty much my advice at the moment. Shared a trickle of past experiences and advice and future experience for those that are in the moment. I think it's so critical what Vero has said about making a list, getting prepared, seeking out mentors. And, and right now is the best time. People have more free time, even though you know we're busy, but we're working from home. There's flexibility. So be willing to, especially if you're laid off right now and you're feeling scared about what's the next move, volunteer your time right now. People do need help. 
different industries are being hit really hard. It's a good time to reach out and volunteer your time, be in service to others. It'll really help you sort of establish yourself to have a network to make the next move into during these really scary and turbulent times. So those are such good tips that'll get prepared, get organized, reach out, find a coach, find a mentor, find someone that can help you do those things to get organized and to position yourself to get ready for the next move without this vacant time. And that can be free online courses. It could be being someone's apprentice, being someone's assistant in the industry you want to go into. Try to find a way to get noticed in that way. This is the perfect time because of the fact that we can all do it from the comfort of our home. The fact that lots of places need support and help right now. I, I know for a fact in the nonprofit world, it's especially the organizations that are essential, therapy, food, shelter. There's a lot of great jobs within those industries. There's They have graphic designers they hire. They have marketing people they mm-hmm. hire. They have folks that do event planning. You don't have to be a I don't know, um, nonprofit director of programs, you can do anything within a nonprofit space that may be spread kind of thin right now because of what's going on. And you become their dedicated, I don't know, marketing, social media, uh, graphic design guru. Girl, you mess around, you get a job out mm-hmm. of that. You get hired when mm-hmm. things get better or you put that on your resume to go get a job with another organization. So nonprofit is an industry I like to mention, but right now there's so many industries that actually are trying to be creative and you can offer that. So you got to put yourself out there. I was just going to say how I mentioned earlier that, you know, make sure that you're updating your resume. Now, now you have time, make sure that you have everything in there. If you have the time to get a certification that you've been eyeing and you want to add that to your resume, take that certification certification class. It's probably offered remotely. Update your resume. I don't know if other industries are hiring, but I know that there's industries like the health field that's putting a freeze on hiring. I know this through Luis because at UCSF, they put like a year hiring freeze that they won't be hiring until next year. But you know, don't let that discourage you. Use this time to, like I said, ump your resume, take a certification class and still apply. Like it doesn't hurt to just continue applying to jobs. And if you're ready to make that transition, make sure that you're staying active classes with your resume and, and, and make sure you're updating that. I think a good idea too is just in general, let's say you're not transitioning careers, but like I, um, Tessie mentioned right now, you're, you just got laid off and you're going to have that break in between. I know for me, when I when I was transitioning from one job to another, it wasn't a completely different field, but it was just a transition. I wasn't sure where I was going. And I ended up going from automotive to automotive. At the time, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have this free time. I've always been interested in HR. I'm going to take an HR course. So I applied to Dominguez Hills and I got into their HR certification program. And I just wanted to learn. And not only that, but I had all these questions because the job where I was, I had been at it just made me think about like, well, is this even right? What I did, was I wronged as an employee? Did my employer wrong me? And I just had all these questions and I was really interested in learning about the rights of an employee and the right thing an employer should do and just understanding that whole like dynamic. So I ended up taking this class and what I did was I didn't work for about six months and that at least in those six months, that went onto my resume. So when I went to interview for my next jobs, they were like, oh, so we see here that there was a six month break between your last job and this, you know, now you're interviewing, blah, blah, blah. And I said, of course, I'm like, but what I I meant, what I did was I wanted, I knew I wanted to stay within this field. I wanted to keep myself busy. So what I decided to do was I ended up taking a course to fully understand the process of HR and their role and, you know, employees. And I gave them the start and they're like, oh, that's great. So then they were able to jump from my actual job listings to, oh, the things that she has, you know, that she's doing to just keep herself learning or growing. So when you see that someone is 
continuously growing and learning. Obviously, you don't want to have just someone that's continually growing and growing and, and doesn't get a job, but at least they're like, oh, this person's interested in just developing themselves. So it kind of gives you that that in as well. So it's great to right now, hey, that class you always wanted to take, take it, do it, learn something new, add some strength, some new skills to your current position or to your current self for when you come back, you come back stronger. So just make sure you're very thoughtful and mindful of the things that you're going to do now. Absolutely. And I think that this is a time that all of us have been thrust into the assessment phase of our lives, even if it's those of us that are not laid off, our jobs maybe have changed because of everything that's gone on. And maybe this situation is going to completely transform your company or your industry even. So it is such a good time for you to assess personally the work that you're doing. And maybe take this as a sign that it is time to transition. Maybe some of us have had to realize that like, wow, I don't know that I want to be in this industry because it wasn't very recession proof. There's a lot of industries right now getting hit so hard because people make that industry work. And without people, I just keep feeling so bad for everybody working for the travel industry, hotels, restaurants are somewhat adapting. I mean, they're still selling food. But if you're, I mean, someone was talking about, I think it was my husband who his father retired from a Hertz rent-a-car and had an amazing run there and had a pension. You don't really have pensions anymore in most companies, but he actually had an amazing run there and he's now retired and gets paid a pension. But if this would have happened to Diego's family when he was little, his dad's company, there's no money renting cars. My daughter was asking, like, what happens to hotels? Are people staying in hotels or or are they closed? Like, my kids are trying to grapple with, what do you mean by some things are closed and some things are open? And they keep asking to go to the park and we keep saying, well, parks are technically closed now. And my point with all of that is that if you're feeling like, whoa, and, and the floor just got pulled from under you and you don't ever want to feel that again, maybe it's time to sort of think about what they call recession-proof careers. And when they say stuff like healthcare is recession-proof, oh my God, like right now being in healthcare is like you are doing everything and you are saving us and you're the heroes. But I get why it's recession-proof because we always need healthcare. There's always older people that need care and there's young people that need care. It's just sort of how we live. And they say law enforcement is another good career. And it's so true. Our friend Heidi, she didn't stop working. She's a 911 dispatcher. And of course they are absolutely essential. So get creative about your next move. If you're feeling like this, this situation taught you that your industry is like shaky ground and recessions are going to happen every 10 years. And you can't have this happen to you every 10 years if you find that right now your industry did not thrive. And of course, we're all mm-hmm. being hit. This is an anomaly. It might be nothing like this again in the next 50 to 60 years. But if you were looking for the boost, if you were looking for the change, then look into those professions. You know, they say accountants, they're still working. I know a ton of accountants that are completely still working. Same you don't here. stop crunching yeah. your books and they're having gone. that, right? Social Lawyers workers, are still working. For sure they are. My sister yeah. works for the court system and she's like, the thing is, people are never going to stop committing crimes. I'm set, you know? So funny, right? But my <laughs> sister has worked for the court system for years and she's working her up right? From, yeah. And she's done it. My God, Sissy for many years loves it. And is, I mean, I'm just watching a rock and roll and I love how her humor is like, we'll always have a court system. It's never going to go away. So think about that next move in that sense. If you're really the kind of person that needs some stability and that this rocked your world. So if you're still working, gosh, more power to you. If you were furloughed, I'm so sorry, because I know that's got to be scary and hard. And I'm really hoping that everybody has been advocating for themselves and looking into all these government programs and that you're getting your peace, all this unemployment. I know it's crazy, but fill out those forms, go for it. I was talking to someone who's like, oh, I'm just going to kind of hunker down, weather the storm and 
turn to my parents for help. And that's great. And it's noble. But also, you can turn to the federal government for help. You should submit the paperwork. (laughs) Right? I felt like, what a strange, typical young Latina, by the way, that just kind of thought, we'll weather the storm and I'll figure this out with my family's support. But I thought, girl, get what's coming to you. You are yeah. being partially laid off. Don't be embarrassed. Those dollars. Don't, don't. It's so like us, right? So kind of we'll make it work. Yeah. And it's our parents' nature sometimes to sort no, of make no, it work no. when the going gets tough. But I wanted to say that on this podcast too. Part of this transition is secure the bag. For those of you out there that are actually fine and you're working the same and making the same and you have some consistency, save that stimulus money. <laughs> that money that's mm-hmm. coming, pay some debt down. I hope you're really responsible with that stimulus money for those of us that need to spend it, spend it. I'm going to actually use mine for debt. Like Diego and I were talking about, we should pay down some debt with that money. It's money we didn't plan to have, any credit card that's outstanding, or we're not going to spend it. That's going to be sort of our goal. Like either put it all away or look at some of the credit cards. Like what was the highest interest? Can we just finish that one off and be done? We've got a few, but we never really were people with credit. So luckily we have that choice right now to sort of, should we just use that money and be done with that? So try to make wise decisions. But that's why you still have an income. Because you still have an income, see? Yeah, it's a good that's right. Save it for future travel, Vero. I mean, tú, Irene, save it for future yeah, travel. I love that. When we're finally able to 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 leave and, and go places, and that's going to be I your tu regalito, como quien I know, especially because we know, you know, we're thanking God every day that like, okay, technically we just did, we, that's just like a bonus. We need to put it away or do something really mm-hmm. good with it. Our, yeah. My brother-in-law is like, stocks, everybody buy stocks right now with their stimulus money. We're not uh, financial advisors, so do what you want. But I always, <laughs> I always think safety nets, safety net, bringing down your debt when you can, because those, like I said in the beginning and to wrap with that, those financial decisions really help you transition your careers in a much more sane and stable place. When you have savings, when you have paid down debt, when you're not just so pressured to stay in a job because you need the paycheck to pay your bills, or you're not so pressured because you've thought about that three to six months of savings. If this teaches us anything, I hope this recession teaches us to put money away and be really smart about debt because things can change in, in overnight. Technically, literally, they can change overnight. We've learned so much today. I'm so grateful to Ceci who shared some of our work that we've been seeing with clients in terms of resume building. Vero, thank you for speaking to the now and how to transition now and how to prepare. A lot of people are in that boat thinking about now and how they're going to come out of this professionally. I want to remind everybody that our tip of the day was use this opportunity to save money, to start saving money. Uh, If you can't do it right now, do it as soon as you can and don't look back. Don't ever look back. Don't ever let a recession because they come every 10 years. This happened to us about 10 years ago with the real estate bubble that burst. Just be ready. Be ready because life is like that. It's an up and down thing. It's just like the stock market. It's going to go up and down. So we're here for you. We mentioned earlier, find a mentor, find a coach. I've had folks coming to me lately for advice and they have this free time and they know I have this free time and I'm home video chatting. And so I've been meeting with women here and there about their next career move. So look us up. Level Up Latina online, leveluplatina.com. Look us up, set up an appointment. Always remember that your first consultation with us is free, your first 30-minute assessment. So get an assessment with us if you really want to dig into any of this. Send us an email if that works for you. Our email is admin at leveluplatina.com. Or as always, please hook us up online with some love, Facebook and Instagram. At Level Up Latina is our handle. We love hearing from you online. Thanks to everybody that's been chiming in about how they're doing and how they're sometimes going stir crazy, sometimes not. It's been really great to have our social network more than ever before. So thank you, mujeres. 
for another great episode. De nada. Y gracias a ustedes for listening. Thank, thank you. you. And on that note, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to love a lot. Yeah.